0: listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Well, here we are, New Year's Day, you're in church, you're wide awake. Thank you so much for making the effort to come to church today. You know, January the 1st, the new year, is a much-needed reference point for our fast-paced culture, for us collectively to stop, reassess And look at the year ahead. For some of you, 2016 was an amazing year. And you'll just say, I'll take another one just like that. For others of you, this year could not end soon enough. And the thing about January the 1st is that it is a fresh start. And oftentimes, we we talk about or we hear about making New Year's resolutions. Oftentimes, I I think we don't. We think about it, but we really don't. We maybe set some goals. And oftentimes, those have to do in the area of health or being more disciplined in one area or another. But as we look to this new year, you have to ask yourself the question, what is in store for 2017? What is the forecast for 2017? We don't know. And as we head into this new year, we look at our world and we see that it is in very rough shape. Economically, things don't look very good. There's volatility in our markets constantly. There's a a political mess going on in country after country, south of the border for us. But around the world, we just see instability all around our world politically and morally, We see just the continual slide further and further away from from good living and from the Word of God and how the Word of God calls us to live our lives. All of this is such good news, all I can say is Happy New Year. (laughs) There have been some good news stories, some great things that have taken place in this past year some great advancements in, in medicine and in technology, some great stories that, that touch our heart of people doing great and incredible things, giving of themselves to other people. But let's face it, for the most part, life is hard. Our world and our society, we admit, it's broken. And this not just affects the, our world and our society, but our own lives. There's, there's hurt and there's heartache in this room. In our church, there, there are relational issues and difficulties that we all have in family, in friendships, in the work environment. Just towards the end of, of, of this year, right around the Christmas season here, two of our church families have heard of some difficult diagnosis that, that some of our folks have here in the medical area. And some of these things cause us to wonder and can cause fear and 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 anxious hearts yet we as all people should be heading into this new year with confidence we should be the most optimistic people that 2017 will be better than last year, and confident for the rest of our lives that the next year beyond that will even be better. And I'm not simply talking about a preacher pep talk at the start of the new year, but I'm talking about this with great confidence because of the greatness of our God and His promises for us as His children. You see, God is a blessing God who wants to bless His children. And that was demonstrated to us ultimately in in him giving his son for us so that we could have salvation in and through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's an amazing verse. God is an amazing God, and he wants to bless his children, and he wants to bless and to meet our every need. He wants to empower us. He wants to give us the gift of his peace and his presence into this new year. He has an incredible year planned for you, and for you, and for you, for every one of us. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. So does this mean that 2017 is going to be all fun and good and no bad will happen? I'm not saying that at all. But through anything and everything that happens in our world, around us, in our family, in us, we can know God's power and blessing in a greater, in a deeper way than we have ever known before. And there is nothing that is better than that. You know, over the years, I've stood with people in the midst of some of the greatest battles and losses and hurts that anyone could ever imagine. And I've challenged them, and oftentimes when I've done this, I take a step back when I say this because there is also the possibility the person might slap me in the face or punch me for saying what I am about to say to them. But as I I talk to them and I grieve with them and stand with them and hurt with them, I also will challenge them and say, hey, listen, if you allow what what has happened here to be used for God's glory and for God to bring good from this. And if you take and you cling to the word of God, and you cling to his promises, and you draw close to him, and you allow brothers and sisters in Christ, the beautiful body of Christ, people to speak into your life, to speak truth into, into your life and into your situation, because there's times you're not going to be able to see the way ahead, and it's all going to be dark, but you allow others to speak the truth. And as you cling to the word of God, you will one day be able to step back from this and and see the goodness of God, even because of the heartache, even through the loss and through the pain, and give glory and thanksgiving to God. That is the way God can take our hurts and our failures, and he can turn them for good. This morning we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 1 and I trust your Bibles have them open as we take a look here at these amazing promises in the Word of God. And Psalm 1 tells us how you and I at the start of 2017 can place ourselves under the waterfall of God's blessing, under the waterfall of God's power in our lives. And yet the sad thing for me is I realize and understand this, that even as I speak this here today, that a good chunk of this message just might be met with a collective yawn by those of you who hear this message today. Are we really going to get after it? Are we really going to to give ourselves in a passionate way to pursue what we're going to talk about here today, about pursuing this God-blessed life, and in so, seeing 2017 as the best year yet, regardless of the circumstances? So let's take a look at Psalm 1. Folks, you need to understand this is God's heart for you. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Look at that in verse 1. Look at the first few words in there. Blessed is the man. Now just remember when it refers to man here, this is in the generic form. This just isn't for men. This is for all people. So it should say, blessed is the person. But what does that mean, the word blessed? Blessed is the person, or blessed is the person. A good way to understand that is, oh, how happy. And so this is translated, a good way for us to understand this is, oh, how happy is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And the first question we have to ask ourselves, there's going to be three probing questions we're going to look at here today. And the first question is, who's counseling me? In verse 1 here, it says, Blessed is the man or happy is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Folks, we need to understand that someone or something is counseling, influencing you. It's someone or something is influencing your thinking, your actions, your morals, your definition of right and wrong. And a blessed life does not allow the world, the world's thinking, the world's counsel to influence us. Romans chapter one tells us to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world squeeze us into its mold. And you have to understand there are many powers working to see us squeezed into the mold of the world and not in the the ways of God. The child of God, we have access to far better counsel than anyone on the face of this earth can ever give us. We have counsel to the King of kings and the Lord of lords from the God of this universe. What kind of teaching and ideologies are you allowing to have access into your life? What are we looking at? What are we listening to? What are we thinking about? Is it God? Is Is it his word? Or is it his man's thought and thinking? You see, God's word has an answer to everything that we will ever face. All of society's problems, all of the moral issues, God's word has an answer. And it points us to the truth of his word that leads to life. We have to be asking ourselves the question what I'm reading, what I'm studying, is it what I'm allowing to flow into my life? Does it bring honor? Does it bring glory to the God of the Bible? Even when it comes to sit in the counseling chair. Going and getting counsel for different issues that we face in our lives is a good thing. But counseling and even biblical counseling, if you want to call it, or or Christian counseling, as it's oftentimes referred to, is not just about simple or clever methods to get us to a better place. You know, like, you know, dealing with anger by going into a room and popping a bunch of balloons and, oh, that feels so much better, No, we look to the wisdom of the Word of God. Is the wisdom, is the counsel that we're getting, is it coming from the Word of God that is constantly pointing us to Jesus and to the glory of God? And it's not just about the next clever method. And here at Harvest, one of the things I just love and appreciate so much is is, is the approach that we have to biblical counseling. And you can see some of this on our website, And, and we have a biblical counselor here within our church that, that can, can walk along and, and, and give help and guidance in the area of biblical counseling, and we also have great resources from our sending church as well to help in this area. We just don't want to give pat answers that are, are, are Christian-based, but we want to look to the Word of God. We want to see ourselves in the midst of it and see that the gospel, that Jesus has an answer to transform us from the inside out. Who's counseling us? Who's influencing us? Now, Psalm chapter 1 here, this was written 3,000 years ago, when in those days the biggest influence that a person would have in those days was face-to-face communication. They had no audio recordings. They had no cassette tapes. They didn't even have a track tapes back then. Remember those a track tapes? Yeah, those, those were pretty archaic. Even books were not common back then because anything that was th- that was in the print form had to be handwritten so so there weren't a lot of books that the form of communication mainly happened face to face but today we are influenced less and less through face to face eye to eye contact or counsel and communication most of it comes in other ways facebook printed materials cell phones texting media all sorts of resources, books and printed material, seminars that we can go to and, 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 and learn from. We have all kinds of different opportunities to learn, and yet our greatest influence happens by what we allow our eyes to see and our ears to hear. And that can happen throughout the course of the day all day long. We have to be so careful. There's so much garbage out there. There's so much false information, even false news. Five, six years ago, you never would have heard or even understood that or even comprehend that there would be such thing as false news stories or, or even websites or, or companies that, that people just pride themselves in. And, 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 and their work is to make up false news and try to get people to believe it. It's, it, it's totally mind-blowing that, that we live in a day like this. It's hard to determine what is right and wrong, and that is why we cling to the Word of God. And so early on here, 2017, we have to look at our hearts and we have to determine that the world will not counsel me. And determining I will be influenced by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, and that we would so desire to align ourselves in that way. Second question we need to ask ourselves are who are my friends? ask ourselves this question as it goes on in verse 1 it says nor stands in the way of sinners this is this here speaks of friendship who are we standing with who are our friends that 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 we're huddling up with you see peer pressure is tough and and I'd like to think that the older we get the easier it can become to not be influenced by our peers but I'm not so sure that that is is exactly true we're all we can be influenced so easily i remember hearing a pastor say A number of years ago, he said, I don't need to to know anything about you. Simply just tell me who your three closest friends are. And as I go and as I speak to your three closest friends, I can tell you with a good degree of certainty what your life will look like in the next five years, in the next ten years. Our friends influence us. So many of us so many people even here in this room, we can tell stories of the messes that we have found ourselves in because of lingering around standing with the wrong friends for too long. People have ruined their lives because of bad influence and have ended up regretting and doing great damage to themselves and to others because they gave people with the wrong, of the wrong character influence in their lives. And today, if you're finding yourself being influenced by others and not influencing them for God and for good, you may need to cut off that friendship for a period of time or even permanently until you're at a place where you are stronger, where, where you're more mature and you're able to, to not allow your friends to influence you. But until that time, you need to break some ties because you are being influenced in a way that that is dangerous to you and to others. We must be very selective of the friends and the close associates that we have. God's Word tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 4 that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And and this speaks about in in dating, in in marriage relationships, even in the area of business. We've got to be so careful. God's Word says don't be unequally yoked. Don't get tied up into into commitments with people who, who don't believe like you do. There's a price to pay. And yet I know that oftentimes we hear this and we know this and yet we think I'm the snowflake I'm special I'm the exception there's no one quite like me I'm going to be able to do this and we think we can defy God and his word and get away with it we got to be so careful because we can't because there is a principle in our world there's a principle in the word of God and it's very simple it's the law of the harvest that we will reap what we sow we will reap what we sow if we're sowing righteousness in our lives we're going to we're going to harvest righteousness. If we sow unrighteousness, we will reap unrighteousness. And the thing about the law of the harvest is that, is that you reap in a different season that you sow. We might think we're getting away with it for a while. We may think that it's okay that that, that, that that we're defying the odds, but there's always a price to pay. And another law of the harvest is that we reap more than we sow. When you put one single seed into the ground, and as it grows and as it comes to harvest time, there's not just one seed, there's many seeds, there's many plants, there's multiplication that takes place. And that's the same when it comes to sowing righteousness or unrighteousness. There's the law of the harvest. Who are my friends? Who is it that's speaking into my life? Who's influencing me? Folks, we need to be selective. And this, again, speaks to the beauty of community within the body of Christ. How our best friends, our closest friends, should be believers in Christ, who can influence us, speak truth into our lives, and we can do the same in their lives. Yes, we are to have relationships with people and friendships, but they cannot be the main influencers in our lives, people who don't know Christ, because they live according to a different standard than we live. They have a different master than we have. I remember a friend of ours years ago, a good friend of ours told us how she had to stop spending time with a friend of hers whose marriage had broken, and she was off living the high life, and and our friend had to stop meeting with her and and even trying to influence her back to her marriage and, and reminding her of what God's word had to say. She had to stop even trying to influence her for God at that time, because her and her husband were going through a difficult, a rough patch in their lives, and she started to see, as she spent time together with this woman who was living the high life, free of her husband and kids, and everything seemed so good and 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 life just seemed filled with with all kinds of new experiences, and that she started to to see that in her own heart and started to wonder, "hmm, hmm, maybe that's." something for me. And she had to cut that relationship off for a season until her and her husband were able to to work through that rough patch. She had to guard her heart and guard her marriage. We have to look at folks who's counseling us, who are our friends. And thirdly, what environment am I making myself at home in? Look at the last part of verse one. It says, Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This speaks of the environment where people scorn and mock and joke about God, where God and his ways are are maligned and, and hated and laughed at. Folks, it's not about laughing at the jokes. We need to be mindful of those who scorn God and mock God, and we need to be careful that we're not allowing them to have influence in our lives. We have to be careful of what we're putting into our minds, whether it's through television, through movies, through the media, the things that we're hearing, the things that we're listening to. We must be careful about going into the places where, where either physically or virtually, through, through media, through, through the Internet, through our phones, through our televisions, through various technology forms, we have to look and see who's influencing us. What are they doing for, for God? Where do they stand when it comes to the things of God. Even this past week, we as a family we sat down one evening to watch a video and we had to shut it off part ways through about 15 minutes into it, because it was just A, it was silly, but B, it it made a mockery of God and, and 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 the morals that we see in the Word of God. And it was just like we don't need this to influence us, and we've got to be mindful of these things. Do you see the progression here in this passage, just in verse one, where it says where we see walking, standing, sitting. You see, when we walk into areas that we should not be walking into and we start to develop friendships, we see that we're walking, but now we're standing. And that standing, as we stand around in, with the wrong associates, with those friends that aren't leading us in, in, in a good way, it leads for our, to the next step of sitting, participating. And you see, it can be a slow process, but it ends up being when we are to be walking with Christ. One of the things we talk about here, that a, a disciple of Jesus, we walk with Christ. We don't walk with the world. We don't walk with these kind of influences. And when we walk with these other influences, we end up, cease walking, and we, we, we stand, and next thing, we're sitting, and we're participating in this, and it can happen. And at times, we can be so unaware until we're in it full and thick. You see, a blessed life, how we make this 2017, the best year yet, it starts by examining ourselves in light of these three questions. Who's counseling me? Who are my friends? And what environment am I involved in that I, may, I need to take stock of? The next thing we see here is the priority of a blessed life. Look at verse 2. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I encourage you to write this down, the blessed life finds delight in the Word of God. Now, this just doesn't mean once a week that we go to church and we take the word that is given given to us and we think about it until we get to the parking lot and then we leave it. No, this talks about delighting ourselves in the word of God, and one of the things we talk about oftentimes here, a number of times throughout the year, are the three D's when it comes to God's word. It starts with discipline. It starts with being disciplined, but as we grow in the the discipline of reading God's word, grow in the discipline of prayer, grow in any of these spiritual disciplines, as we see it A discipline, it moves to desire. And and it creates a stronger and a greater desire daily for us to be in the Word of God. We miss the Word of God one day and it's just like, ah, you got to get back into it. And discipline leads to desire, which leads ultimately to delighting ourselves in the way and in the Word of God. It's not a forced thing. It's not, oh, I have to go to church. Oh, I have to read my Bible. But there's a love and a hunger and a desire to read and to obey and to allow God's Word to become a part of our lives. Do you have a reading plan for this year? Do you have a plan to be in the Word of God on a regular, on a daily basis? You know that old saying, failure to plan is basically a plan to fail? We need to be developing a daily time in the Word of God, carving out time in prayer, giving priority in the day, and allowing His Word to transform our thinking and our actions. On our website, we have a number of Bible reading plans that you can print off. We even have some available here at the church that that, that are available for you in print form. And this isn't about just reading and forgetting about it. It's taking it a step further. So a blessed life finds delight in the word of God, but next, a blessed life allows the word of God to become part of their lives. We allow God's word to become a part of our life. It says here, as it continues on, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, this word meditate is not some sort of weird new age kind of exercise where we're trying to become one with the world or something silly like that. No, not at all. This word meditate means taking the word of God and having it become a part of our life, become a part of who I am. Now, this might be a little crass of a way to understand it, but it's a good and effective way of explaining what we're talking about here. And I'm talking about how a cow chews its cud. Now, a, a cow will, will, will take this really dry straw or this hay and will be eating it or some grain or some grass, whatever it might be. And it has the process, it has this weird process. You can go on YouTube, you can study it. it, it it's rather interesting with four stomachs and, and it takes it, it takes it all in, but then it it will stand there and it will chew and it will chew and it will move it around from, from one place to another, and then combined with some unique saliva that it has in order to break down the straw and the and and and, and through this process the cow is able to 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 squeeze out all of the nutrients that is in that hay, that is in that feed that they are eating, and from that resulting in some milk, which is life-giving, which is pretty tasty, and even better than that, in some wonderful prime rib steak that is so delicious. And this all happens because the cow is chewing and chewing and chewing and allowing those nutrients to feed its body, And produce something amazing. And that's the way we are to approach the word of God. Not just read it and forget it. But take and read it and chew on it throughout the day. The Hebrew word here for for meditate means to utter sounds. To talk it out with God. Literally to talk to yourself. Do you ever catch yourself talking to yourself throughout the day? You might say those are some of my best conversations that I have. When I'm talking to myself. It's a little odd though. When someone catches you talking to yourself and, and uh, uh, yeah, it can be a little embarrassing, especially when it's not family or friends and, and, and it's, you know, some complete stranger and, and you start thinking, okay, they must think cuckoo, you know, whatever it might be. But, but here what we are to do is we are to talk about the Word of God throughout the course of the day. We chew on it. And that is where even things like daily devotional readings are good. Now, oftentimes they don't exhaust the passage and they don't go into the Greek and the Hebrew and don't go into all of that sort of thing. But it gets you thinking about the Word of God. Anything and everything that, that points us to his word and gets us thinking and chewing on the, the inerrant, the infallible, the beautiful, the powerful, the mighty word of God is a good thing. And, 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 and as we allow that to happen throughout the course of the day, it results in some pretty amazing results. It produces a life of righteousness. It, it, it pushes us towards holiness and Christ-likeness. And, folks, and that's where, here in 2017, I want to give you all the 31-day challenge. And and it's on this little bookmark that, that are available here at the church for you, that, that, that are handed out at the door, but also available for, for you over the next number of days and, and over the next number of weeks. You can pick them up from the church office. But it's simple. It's a simple thing, and I encourage you to... This may not be the only thing that you do. I trust you have another plan or, or another way that you're reading the Word of God. But this is something for you to do as an individual, as a couple, or as a family. And if you're a family unit, I encourage you to do this as a family. If you're, if you're married, if you have a roommate, do it with your roommate. Do it with, with your spouse, um, if you're an individual, do it yourself, or do it with another friend. And 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 first thing in the morning, read Psalm one on January one. On January three, read Psalm three in the morning before you head out the door. And at the end of the day, on the day that we, the day of the week, the third of January, in the evening, read Proverbs three. So it's a Psalm in the morning, a proverb at night and it's going through for 31 days, and if you do this and stick to it, it will be amazing the conversations that you will have with yourself, but also with others that you are in community doing this with. I encourage you to be doing this. This will take five minutes of of your time in the morning, five minutes in in the evening. Now, there's some chapters that are going to be a little bit longer, and I trust that there's going to be some conversations. But be in the Word of God. Rearrange. Do what you have to do to be in the Word of God. And I am so amazed at how quickly and easily, with great flexibility, we will arrange our lives for something that matters. Folks, we have to understand this matters. This is a big deal. We desire God's blessing in our lives. We need to be people who are in the word of God and are walking in his ways. This past week, Charlotte and I had a few days off and one afternoon our kids were busy with their own social lives and, and Nate was up at Big White and Clarice was out with some friends and so Charlotte and I went to a cheap um, cheap movie on the west side and, and just as the movie was was ending right around 3.15, 3.30 in the afternoon, we started getting text messages and emails that Nate was needed for a basketball game at 5 p.m. in Lake Country for a team that he wasn't even a part of but they were short of players they only had three players and they needed at least five but they of course would have liked to have more than that and they didn't want to forfeit and 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 so Nate was coming back from Big White and I was so amazed how from 3.30 when we finally said okay yeah let's do this until five o'clock an hour and a half we were able to go to the west side to our place in Upper Mission out to Lake Country get him there by five he was able to meet up with us we were able to 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 arrange our schedules, rearrange what we were going to do for that day, all because of a basketball game. And it was crazy as we get there, it was like, whew, we made it. There ended up being eight players and the game could go on. We rearranged our lives in such a short sort of time frame because we figured this mattered and we wanted to help out. Folks, the word of God And these kind of spiritual disciplines matter. Will we arrange our schedules for this sort of thing? I'm amazed at the lesser things we will arrange our schedules for. Folks, let's be people who see how this matters, how God's word matters. And as we stick to his word in these 31 days, these first 31 days of this new year, we're going to see it producing A harvest of blessing in our lives of understanding as we dig ourselves into the word of God. Encourage you to do that. You might say, I already have a plan, Meldon. You know, I'm good. No, I'm encouraging you as the body of Christ to do this. I encourage you to be talking about this in your small groups. I encourage you to be talking about it with one another out in the lobby even. Hey, are you keeping up on your reading? Hold one another accountable. Let's see what happens. And as we stick to his word, we will see God's word come alive. And look at the end result, the last thing here that we see. The blessed life enjoys streams of living water and fruit. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. I mean, just look at this. I mean, what a picture of blessing. Refreshing, full, rich life. For the Jewish mind, when they would hear this, when they would read this and they would, would see this, this would just be the ultimate. You see, for the Jewish mind, streams of water means life. In the Middle East, where there's a shortage of water and things are dry, streams mean life. And, and notice it doesn't say your life will be like a will be near a stream. It says streams of refreshing, life-giving water. And notice it says, the leaf won't wither from the heat of the day. Why? Because the roots are going deep. And it will yield fruit in season. It will be able to withstand the storms, the dry periods, the drought, because its roots are going deep and it's being fed by not just one stream, but multiple streams. But you see, in order to have this blessed life that enjoys streams and fruit, we need to be planted in the Word. And it says there will be fruit that will result of this. In order for there be, to be fruit, we have to understand fruit doesn't come right away. As we stick to it, we see that fruit ends up coming as a result of the four seasons. All four seasons are needed to produce a harvest. And there will be the, the difficult seasons, the, the long winter season where it seems nothing is happening. But we see that it will produce fruit in season. That's God's promise for you and for me in 2017. Will we take this promise and place ourselves under the waterfall of his blessing and experience this in our lives? Look at verse 4 to verse 6. It says, The wicked are not so but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Folks, this this chapter doesn't end so well for those who do not place themselves under the blessing of God. This this is a picture of instability and inability to withstand the judgment of God. No hope of heaven, no future. This is a dangerous place to be. And you see, all of this blessing that we're talking about here today starts with us putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ in a personal relationship. Have you done that? Have you repented of your sins? Have you turned from your sin and, and have given your life to Jesus Christ? That's the ultimate. If you have not done that, you need to do that today to start the new year off, 2017 by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, turning your heart over to him. And when we do this, and when we are people who are planting ourselves in the word of God, we can go into 2017 with great hope. Not in our circumstances, because this, over the course of this next year, for every one of us, for our families, for our relationships, for our work, whatever it might be, there will be good. But there will also be the difficult There will be the devastations that also happen. And yet we can have great hope. We can have a hope that is a bedrock reality here in 2017, in the rest of our lives, as long as God gives us here on this earth and in the life to come. Maybe it'll be in 2017 that Christ will return. Wouldn't that be amazing? If so, we've got our work to do. Even if he doesn't come this in 2017, we still have our work to do. But it is a biblical fact. It is a, a reality that Christ will one day return. And you might say, really? Bible prophecy and preachers and authors have been saying that for 2,000 years. And, and it's not happening. Well, folks, we have to remember that, that the Bible, that God's Word and the prophets of, of, of God were saying that for 4,000 years, that Jesus would come in the form of a baby, would be born in Bethlehem. They were saying that for 4,000 years, and it happened. And we have to understand that the return of Christ will one day happen. And we have hope beyond the circumstances of life. We have hope in heaven when Christ returns or when he calls us home. Our hope is not magic. Our hope is not a motivational speech at the beginning of the year or this pep talk. That's not what it is. Because that just goes on maybe to the parking lot and that's it. Our hope is a bedrock reality of a certain future for every follower of Jesus Christ. And until he returns or until he calls us home, we can be living under the waterfall of his blessing, of his grace, of his power, of his peace of his presence in our lives, this is a blessed life. A blessed life that finds delight in the word of God, that allows the word of God to become a part of our lives, a way of of thinking. we're, We're thinking in terms, not of the world, but of the word of God and the ways of God. And a blessed life will enjoy streams of living water and fruitfulness, even in the difficult times. Because the roots go down, let's pray together.